This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. It's great to have you with us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Personal Finance Wednesday. Some risks for retirees. Is Chicago tourism rebounding? Netflix kind of getting hammered today after subscriber growth slows. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, Amazon using a palm scanning payment system at one of its Whole Food stores in Seattle. Let's find out about it. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. Paul, tell us, what, what's Amazon doing here with palm scanning? Well, they're doing what they are doing so well everywhere else, which is taking data and, you know, using it and selling it. Uh, they are obviously selling lots of individual things. E-commerce is certainly what Amazon is known for. But um, like Google, like other groups, they are gathering lots of information about their customers and, and they're using it and leveraging it in lots of ways. There's in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood. This is where it's starting. Uh, you can, if you want, put your credit card in and then put your palm over a scanning device. You don't put it on the device, which is probably good in COVID times. But anyway, it scans your palm and links it to the credit card. And from that moment on at that uh, Whole Foods in Capitol Hills, in that Capitol Hill neighborhood, um, you just have to put your palm over the scanner and pay for things instead of taking your credit card out. So it's convenient, but, you know, it's biometric data being given to a large company. Well, and that's, that's I guess, the natural follow-up question here. What are the potential concerns here with handing over your biometric data to a big company? Literally, I like that pun. Um, you are, I mean, I'll, let's put it this way. Um, I, I've done it already, and so have we all in many cases. I would say it's literally biometric data. Anybody who's heard of CLEAR, C-L-E-A-R, which is in a lot of airports, it speeds your trip through uh, TSA security. And But what you do to do that speeding up, and I love it, frankly, because it gets my family up to the front of the line. Um, I, I get to skip lots of time and so forth with little kids. It's great. But I've given them a scan of my iris and... I've given my fingerprints. Now, in retrospect, I'm not sure why I did that, but I will tell you that the convenience is obvious. So here, once again, convenience is maybe getting in front of, of uh, security. Again, that's up to every individual to, to decide. Amazon pledges that this is highly secure. Uh, but I just, again, that's the, comp- the compromise is convenience versus security. And I've noticed with, uh, say, for example, smart watches, you know, the, the appeal of that really is, you know, it might save you a split second. You don't have to take your phone out of your pocket in order to text or something like that. And I wonder if this is why palm scanning will be attractive to people, because you don't have to take that wallet out. That's a great example, because with the, with uh, smartwatches, in many cases, they're gathering much more than just the text and so forth that, that's being transferred from your phone to the watch. As you probably know, many of those devices actually uh, record heart rate uh, even uh, and, and other biometric information. Uh, so to your point, yes, convenience is a big deal. When you're making a purchase, it sure is nice to pull into that line, and it would be nice, I haven't done it yet, but put my palm over a scanner and done. Uh, again, you have to decide whether that compromises worth the convenience. 
And as far as Amazon goes, the more they can get people tied into their ecosystem, the better. By the way, that's, it's proven to be extremely useful and valuable to customers. Let's not forget, that's exactly right. Um, yes, it's going to be helpful uh, to, to tie your purchase to your palm. That's just convenient. But to your point, if Amazon knows more about your purchasing history, they know more about the kinds of products that you want and that you buy, they can help. There are things like subscribe and save that Amazon offers, where if you are on a regular diet of something, it will come regularly. That's convenient. They only know that about that because they know about you and so on. So there are many benefits that accrue to the customer. They do tie the ecosystem together, and then it's up to you to decide if it's worth it. Thanks so much. Really, really interesting the way the technology is advancing. Paul Hockman is here, president of Humongous Media. Coming up, more people are getting outside, leaving the house, and that means they are less likely to spend time streaming. Netflix reports Netflix added nearly 4 million new subscribers in the first quarter of the year, still falling well below analyst expectations. The stock is getting hit today. It is down right about 7% at $511 a share. Let's see what What's going on at Netflix? Dan Gallagher is here. Tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column based in San Francisco. Dan, what is Netflix reporting? <laughs> well, they had a um, they had actually a good quarter in terms of like their revenue went up 24 percent. Operating income jumped up. But, you know, investors especially are really keyed on um, what where paid subscribers go and they like you mentioned they only add they added at this point number and i think what was really jarring was the projection they gave for second quarter and they only projected an addition of one million and if you put that together that means in the first half of the year they're going to be about six million subscribers short of where wall street expected them to be and i think that's the big reason you're seeing the stock get hit so hard today the thing we're finding i mean wall street with netflix seems like they're less concerned with revenue and more with subscriber growth even if netflix says hey but we're still making money here uh they are and that's i you know it's it's sort of a it's an interesting situation because um investors are really keyed on the potential for streaming you know to overtake you know, cable TV and, you know, all the growth ahead for that. So even when you got really big media stocks like Disney and Viacom have become really closely keyed on just their streaming business and just the subscriber growth in that streaming business. So, you know, Disney's seen great growth, getting a lot of subscribers, and their streaming business is actually consuming cash. But that stock has never been more richly valued. So we're, we're kind of seeing that overall, but Netflix is kind of the senior senior streamer now of of companies doing this and so they're at the point where they're trying to say look we're gonna mature a bit more uh because they have such a large subscriber base and way ahead of everybody else and not enough for netflix to to basically say hey we're, we're established as you're mentioning here hey we're, we're the we're the big dog because wall street is interested in growth and that's where they want to go uh, exactly. And, you know, and there's legitimate wonder question about, you know, now that there's all these streaming services now, you got Disney and, and Paramount Plus and HBO Max and Apple TV and all, all these new companies that you didn't have even just two years ago, you know, does that eat into, you know, because now there's just more options for people to watch in addition to the fact that the pandemic is having here in this country and people just have more more time for other types of activities. So what does that do? to Netflix, you know, for the next year and maybe even the next few years. Does and put, where does their growth go? Does this put Netflix in a position where they're going to have to invest even more in original content to keep attracting people? Uh, they, they definitely have to do that because, you know, that's they're going to be able to get less library content. Again, back a few years, they were able to get 
a lot of content from these Hollywood studios that didn't have their own streaming channels. Now most of them do. Uh, they did make a big deal with Sony recently, and that Sony's one of the few Hollywood you know, giants that doesn't have its own streaming outlet. So, and Netflix is spending reportedly about over a billion on that, on that deal. So I think we are going to see those kinds of things and they have to keep doing that. They have to have the shows that people want to watch. Yeah. It's so interesting when it comes to the shows, uh, it's just constantly churning because once someone binges on a show, well, they need another show to watch. Uh, They do. One thing that's been interesting though, is that, um, Netflix has proven pretty resilient in the sense that, you know, you don't see a lot of people canceling their subscriptions. And that's maybe, and what's maybe helped there is that they've been in the game now for so long, even if you go back to when they were doing mail order DVDs, I think people now are just kind of used to paying their Netflix bill every month. And they've had that for more than a decade. Um, I think that does give them some uh, stickiness in the sense that if there's something you haven't wanted to watch in Netflix in a few weeks, you're still not really likely to drop your subscription unless you're maybe under financial strain yourself. Thanks so much. Good to have you with us. Good insight. That's Dan Gallagher, tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column. Up next, NASA puts its faith in private company SpaceX. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. SpaceX and NASA have delayed the latest launch of astronauts to the International Space Station. It's all because of weather. The mission marks a historic collaboration. Joining us on the McGrath-Lexus Business Line, Peter King, CBS News space reporter based in Orlando. Peter, always good to talk to you. So what's going on here with the delay? Well, we're out here at the Kennedy Space Center, and we've got a beautiful day here right now. But the problem with the weather was up the coast. If uh, the SpaceX Crew Dragon has an emergency in flight after launch, the spacecraft has to splash down in the Atlantic Ocean along the trajectory, which is all along the East Coast, all the way to the North Atlantic. They need calm seas and calmer winds to do that. Uh, Things are stirred up a bit up north, so they're waiting for things to calm down. They expect that instead of tomorrow, uh, things will be calmer on Friday, and that's why they are going to launch on Friday instead. Talk to us about the history that's being made here. Well, which history are you talking about? (laughs) I know. It's quite a bit, right? I mean, uh, they're collaborating here. what you're thinking about. Yeah. Well, you have SpaceX, you have NASA working together. You're going to have astronauts being taken up. Uh, It it seems like a a very interesting sort of government and private partnership. Well, it is. And this has been in the works for years, more than a decade. And this is the third flight of a Crew Dragon with astronauts aboard. And uh, so far, the uh, partnership between NASA and private contractor SpaceX seems to be going very, very well. They've learned a lot about how each other operates along the way. I mean, it's always going to be a work in progress and a lessons learned kind of thing. But uh, by all accounts, the astronauts, the NASA astronauts, are thrilled with the training they've gotten on uh, the SpaceX spacecraft. And in fact, uh, to a T, one of the things they love about the SpaceX Crew Dragon is that it's much more simple than the space shuttle ever were it was or even the russian soyuz and three of uh well the four astronauts who are flying this flight have all flown uh, a combination of those vehicles and they've all to a t said it's a lot easier to train on it's a lot easier to learn more quickly and uh it's uh, by all accounts uh, a comfortable ride as well 
Really interesting to see how the technology just keeps advancing. Thank you. That's Peter King, CBS News space reporter based in Orlando. Still ahead, personal finance Wednesday, avoiding the financial risks of retirement. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Federal investigators will lead a probe of policing practices in Minneapolis. The Biden administration is on target to hit its first key COVID vaccination target in Personal Finance Wednesday. People are living longer, spending more time in retirement, meaning financial strategies need to be refined. At a time when the city is hoping to rally its tourism business, a key agency agency is working with a slashed budget. On the markets, the Dow up 232 points, the Nasdaq is up 91, and the S&P is up 25 points. Oil is down about 1.5%. We have sunshine throughout most of Chicagoland, a little scattered rain and snow, as we are going to be in the 40s throughout the rest of the afternoon. Right now, 45 degrees. The United States Justice Department is launching a probe of Minneapolis police. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the probe will be a broad, sweeping investigation of the MPD, its use of force, and whether it engages in discriminatory policing. It will include a comprehensive review of the Minneapolis Police Department's policies, training, supervision, and use of force investigations. Depending on the investigation's findings, the Justice Department will issue a public report and work with the department on taking corrective actions. Steve Dorsey, CBS News, Washington. President Biden set to announce the U.S. has nearly reached its goal for vaccinating Americans. 200 million shots in the first 100 days of his administration. More than half of all adults are now at least partially vaccinated. Maximizing the number of those fully vaccinated in coming months is crucial for a White House aiming to restore at least some normalcy around July 4th. The president today is expected to outline plans for ramping up the vaccination rate. All Americans 16 and older are now eligible for shots. And with roughly 28 million doses being delivered weekly, demand is now a bigger roadblock than supply in much of the country. Surveys show less vaccine hesitancy since the shots began rolling out, but the White House still wants to make getting them easier and more appealing. Sagar Magani, Washington. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y to listen to WBBM anytime. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Stocks trading higher. The Dow up 243. The Nasdaq up 96. And the S&P is up 26 points. Let's see what's going on. Jack Ablin is here, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. Jack, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Yeah, good news today, Cisco. Uh, a bit of a reversal from earlier this week, um, largely uh, a, a reversal in um, concerns regarding um, COVID. Uh, I think that investors earlier in the week were concerned that the progress that Europe is making with vaccines and COVID, and tackling COVID, COVID infections uh, was a bit of a setback, but we got a, a bit of a reversal today uh, on, um, you know, continue to be a very, very strong earnings season. And do you expect that to continue as more earnings are announced? I do. In fact, it looks like now 
earnings for the first quarter are set to to come in at around 30% year over year on about 6.6% sales growth. That would be the best uh, earnings quarter since 2018. Uh, We had some great results this week from Coca-Cola, IBM, Johnson & Johnson, uh, and uh, Procter & Gamble. And even Netflix beat their estimate, uh, but of course, um, you know, had sold off on uh, the lackluster growth in subscriptions. When it comes to the uh, sort of way that we look forward here, what's that looking like so far in earnings season? Are companies pretty positive about the future? Yeah, so outlooks are are improving, um, and uh, investors are expecting strong gains, and and we're seeing it in retail sales, we're seeing it in housing, uh, a lot of different places. So, you know, that's the good news, Cisco. The risk, of course, is the Fed is continuing to hold on to very, very low interest rates, uh, they're continuing to actually buy uh, 10-year Treasury notes to the to the tune of uh, nearly $100 billion a month. And so that's keeping the 10-year rate um, artificially low for is really a, kind of a skyrocketing growth trajectory. And that's great for all of us uh, as long as it comes without inflation. The risk, of course, is uh, inflation rears its head and interest rates will have to go up. But uh, for right now, it's steady as she goes, and we've got some great news ahead. Earlier, you touched on COVID. Is there a fear as we hear about rising cases? I mean, some significantly, for example, in India. Is there a concern that that may end up impacting U.S. businesses? It could. I mean, I think that's that was some of the concern uh, over the last uh, few days. If you look at um, the kinds of uh, sectors that were leading the, the way down were the what we'll call the reopening sectors, particularly travel. Um, you know, we we obviously want uh, the whole world to uh, uh, you know get the vaccine and, and get everyone past um, uh, the uh, you know uh, COVID and the lockdowns. Uh, and even we're seeing even domestically we're seeing cases, of course of variants uh, and reinfections of people with uh, the vaccine. I think we have to be reminded that while the vaccine is fantastic and offers 90% protection, it's not 100, and we're seeing some of that as well. Absolutely. Uh, When it comes to an investment strategy, given the fact that it appears as though reopening is going fairly well, what do you suggest? Sure. So uh, we are somewhat um, cautious, uh, given that a lot of the valuation uh, in the marketplace, the the forward um, price earnings ratio of over 30 times is predicated on low interest rates for forever. And I think that is probably a an optimistic assumption. So we are somewhat cautious on equities. Uh, we're also on the bond side, only using bonds to match cash flows for for clients and not using it as ballast in the portfolio for right now. Um, we've allocated a little to gold um, and uh, also to what we call non-correlated equity strategies. So um, just taking a slight defensive position here, uh, we're not expecting uh, the bottom to fall out, uh, but we're, we're looking for a better entry point later in the year. Thanks so much for all of the analysis. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital. Up next, Personal Finance Wednesday, altering retirement strategies to fit the current work environment. 60 minutes each weekday toward planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday on the Noon Business Hour, sponsored by Mesero Wealth Management. Strategies for the retirement game have changed as people live 
live longer and spend less time in traditional pension plans. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Tony Agoric, founder of Agoric Wealth Management, based in Buffalo, New York. Uh, Tony, talk about the challenges for retirees. Maybe things are different than they've been in generations past. Hey, Cisco, you speak the truth. By the way, we got four inches of snow here today, but uh, they claim it's going to be in the 70s in a few days. We're complaining about uh, just a dusting of snow. <laughs> oh, give me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm listen, glad you got here, it. Here are some real challenges people face today. You know, the Federal Reserve has slammed interest rates down to the lowest they've ever been in history. So people who look at bank interest uh, in the past don't have that if. For instance, you invested $10,000 in a one-year treasury, you would be earning $10 in interest. Uh, so that's difficult. Also, you look at the market and by you know many metrics, which Robert Schiller has talked about in his CAPE index, um, and he's from Yale, you know, that, that uh, uh, you know, the valuations of the market are rather high now, although you can justify that with, uh, with the low-rate environment. But the problem is people are living longer. Uh, and they've got less sources of income. So they're being forced into higher risk by adding more stock to their portfolios. And that's sort of the conundrum that people face today. You have, you touched on this, you have this uh, inflation fear. I mean, that's something that it's, it's not just people 20 years from now need to be concerned about that. I mean, it's people retiring in the next few years. Yeah, and Cisco, I'm glad you brought that up, you know, because there's been a lot of talk, and we had this after the financial crisis in 2008-9, and today, you know, these inflation fears, and they just haven't happened. What I can tell you is if we're going to have inflation, which is not going to be transitory, but it's, it's going to be around for a while, uh, I would suggest looking at wages. And once you see wage growth, um, you know, pushing up, that's when I think people need to be concerned, you know, more concerned about inflation. Now, the other issue is if you're holding a lot of bonds right now and inflation goes up, rates will go up and those bonds will lose money. So people need to be sensitive to that fact also. Are people spending more in retirement than they were planning? And, and uh, yeah, I mean, thinking about people who are still working, what that does to their savings plan. Sure. And, you know, it's interesting. What we're seeing more and more today is what we call a phased retirement, where people are not retired completely, you know, but they're just working fewer hours. And, um, you know, when I was getting trained in this area, you know, they told us that people would retire on 70 percent of their income. Um, but, you know, what we're finding is that people, you know, they, they whatever they were earning before, they're spending that in retirement and in many instances more than that. And oftentimes they're looking at establishing two residences, you know, one in Florida and one, you know, maybe in the, uh, you know, in Chicago. So, uh, you know, I don't find the expenses go down. Typically they, they go up. And one last thing, as your longevity increases, you know, you're around for, for more years and obviously you are going to be spending more. And the cost of health care has increased also, which, which you know about. Yeah, I'm glad you, you touched on longevity because it's something when people are thinking about retirement, they don't necessarily think about, you know, if you're retired 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, who knows, maybe 40 years, depending on how long you, you live and when you get retired, there's a lot of expenses in that time. And every year, the costs of those expenses goes up. It really does. And I'll tell you what, the most dangerous time for someone's portfolio is when they first retire. If they take a hit then... Um, you know, it's, it's, it damages their base and it really impairs their ability to get income down the road. So the really interesting thing is, 
if you started off retirement with less money in stocks, and then as the years go by, added money into a stock position, you actually may be in a better position than starting off with a lot and hoping that the market continues to ride. Thanks so much. Always good to talk to you. Tony Agoric, founder of Agoric Wealth Management. That's Personal Finance Wednesday. This time tomorrow, Technology Thursday. Still to come, Chicago's tourism efforts suffers a budget blow. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. A massive budget cut is impacting Choose Chicago, the city's nonprofit tourism arm. We welcome Danny Ecker, a reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. Danny, tell us about the budget cut. Well, we knew this was going to be a tough year for Choose Chicago because a good portion of its budget comes from hotel tax proceeds, which were just decimated last year. Uh, so they're working with about half of the usual budget. They're about just under six under sixteen million dollars for the year. You're usually above thirty, uh, close to thirty three. I think it was in twenty nineteen uh, million dollars. So. You know, at a time when the city and the local hospitality sector is desperate for visitors and tourism promotion, this is the group that leads the charge to bring them back, and they're in a tough position, both from a budget standpoint. They also have less than half the staff they used to have uh, after a bunch of layoffs and furloughs. So it's uh, it's it's a tough challenge here for uh, for the city's tourism arm. And you're going to have competition, I mean, it, like maybe we've never seen before between cities in the U.S. as people are not able to go overseas. Cities in the U.S. are really trying to get every tourism dollar they can. Yeah, and, you know, vaccines are rolling out. There's an expectation that leisure travel is going to be pretty good this summer, you know, over the next few months. And, uh, you know, that that's really underscores the, the, the opportunity here for the city and, and what it needs to do to kind of send its message. And beyond the budget issues, you know, Choose has its CEO is is on the, on his way out. They uh, David Whitaker there. The Choose decided they're not going to uh, renew his contract when it expires in July. His number two at Choose Chicago just announced he's leaving next month to lead tourism for uh, San Antonio. So you know, and on top of all this, there's this challenge of sending the message. What, what's the message that you need to send right now? You got to send the message that Chicago is open for fun, but also that it's uh, safe and you know and and inviting and has things to do. Uh, for tourists. Um, so it's a tricky needle of thread. And uh, the group that is tasked with doing that has uh, some limited resources. Yeah, and it seems like that's going to take even more money. As you mentioned, when I talk with people from around the country, all they hear about is crime in Chicago, which makes them afraid to come here, regardless of whether it's safe or not. They're, they're just not willing to deal with it. Yeah, that's a narrative that Chicago has battled for years to try to control. And obviously, I mean, we had but before the pandemic, we had eight straight years of record-setting tourism to the city. And part of that was because so many companies had moved downtown and, you know, a lot of business traveled to the city. But, uh, the, the, you know, tourism was rolling before the pandemic hit. And so it's really overcome a lot of those issues that are real and perceived. But now on top of all that, you got, uh, you know, a lot of things happening in the heart of the city that maybe weren't before. Carjackings, robberies, as the downtown has been pretty sparsely populated during the day. So, there are, again, still more intense, real, and perceived challenges that the city needs to uh, clear here to be able to get people to feel comfortable and want to come visit again. Really good to have you joining us. Thank you so much, Danny Acker. He's a reporter for Crane's Chicago Business. Past programs later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 